0: This is Calico Cofield and you're listening to the Physics Buzz Podcast. Last week I had just gotten off the phone with my podcast pal Mike Blusabella when I heard about the earthquake that took place in Virginia. Now Mike is located in Maryland, thankfully he and everyone at the APS headquarters was okay. So after I found out they were okay, I couldn't help but want to do a podcast about Mike's experience and the physics of earthquakes. Hello? Hey, Mike, it's Calla.
1: Hey, Calla, how are you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: No, A little shaken up, but it's all good.
0: (laughs) Oh, puns. (laughs) Um, Yeah, glad to hear that everybody down there is okay and you guys are back in the office building.
1: Yep, yep. We uh, evacuated for about an hour or so, but other than that, uh, nothing too big.
0: Okay, great. So tell me a little bit about it. Did you guys feel it there? You guys are in uh, College Park, Maryland, so I think that's that's less than 100 miles from, from the epicenter.
1: Yeah, we're about uh, 90 or so miles away from the epicenter. We definitely felt it. When things first started to rumble, we thought that there was a train or a truck you know, just rumbling by, and then After about, you know, 10 or 15 seconds of that, we were like, wow, it's a really big, long train. And that's when things really started to bounce all over the place and uh, jump up and down.
0: Well, I'm glad you're all okay, And uh, because you're all okay, we can kind of count this as a science experiment, because I think, as you know, what you guys were experiencing were actually two different kinds of waves, P waves and S waves, where P stands for primary and S stands for secondary, because P waves travel faster and they arrive first. Uh, P waves oscillate in the direction that they travel, so mm-hmm. they move through the ground kind of like an accordion, contracting and expanding. Uh, S waves make more of an S shape, so these are the waves that can make things move up and down uh, and can really do some damage. So it's actually really interesting that you guys felt the first kind uh, with such a delay to the second kind because that's actually how scientists can determine where the epicenter of an earthquake is. If a seismograph station measures, say, like you guys did, you know, a 10-second delay between the P waves and the S waves, well another seismograph station might measure only a five-second delay, and then we know that the epicenter is a little closer to that second station. So if enough stations do this, pretty soon you can start to to figure out where the origin of the earthquake is so you guys actually did a little bit of a an experiment during this uh slightly traumatic experience
1: yeah we did that's really cool well it seems like what would happen um with all of these uh waves going through the the soil is things would get really shaken up and um the ground would actually you know kind of loosen up is that is that something that happens
0: that is something that happens. And sometimes you can see a phenomenon called liquefaction. Uh, and this is something that happened a lot in the Haiti earthquake in 2008. You can have areas where there's a lot of water in the soil, but the soil is still solid. It's solid enough to build buildings on top of. And you have these water particles and these soil particles you know, packed together very tightly. When that shaking happens, it's these waves traveling through the ground, and they compress the soil, those P waves that we were talking about. When they compress the soil, that raises the water pressure, actually. And that water pressure is enough to overcome the frictional forces between the pieces of soil. So, you know, that ground is held together because those bits of soil, those particles of soil lock together into a solid. But with enough internal water pressure, the forces holding that solid together break and these clumps of soil or particles of soil are suddenly slipping past each other. They're free-floating in water, essentially, and you have something more like a liquid or mud. So once again, this is called liquefaction, Uh, and it's a a phenomenon that people are studying very intently because obviously if you live in an earthquake-prone place, you want to know if the area that you're building on will go through this liquefaction process in an earthquake.
1: Wow, that's incredible. It really does change the makeup of the the ground you're uh, standing on.
0: It does, and it really makes you think about the structure of things. You know, a a solid object is really a collection of smaller solids. Sometimes it's molecules that are bound together very strongly. But in the case of soil or sand, uh, it's a series of of smaller solids, of grains, uh, that normally lock together to create a very solid surface. But in some cases, it's possible for those smaller solids to start behaving more like a liquid. It's a good example of how our physics knowledge can definitely be applied in the real world. You know, learning about what surfaces can experience liquefaction and what we could do to deal with it if it happens or if there's even a way to prevent it.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's a really good example of taking what seems like an abstract concept in a laboratory and having a real practical use for that understanding out in, out in the world.
0: Yeah, we love that stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, we do.
0: Well, Mike, I'm really glad you're okay. I'm glad everyone there is okay. Thanks for talking about earthquakes, Mike.
1: Hey, thanks for calling. Bye. Bye.
0: That's all for the Physics Buzz podcast. I'm Callie Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, resources, our Physics Buzz blog, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more Physics Buzz.